This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED. There's been a lot going on this week, to say the least. We just had the election and the AMA talking about scope creep. So in light of that, it felt like the perfect time to highlight a badass PA. This week, Sochi Rent-Elm is joining me to speak about her journey in medicine, becoming a PAC, and even some medical aesthetic talk because lots of y'all are interested in that field. So let's get ready, peeps. All right, time for everyone's favorite part of the WOMED, nursty energy. So most of y'all are aware the AMA recently made a little little statement about scope of practice and scope creep. And I just want to shout out all of you taking a stance and empowering the voices of nurse practitioners and PAs and CRNAs because advanced practice caregivers are pivotal to the healthcare team and all the populations that they serve. So keep sending in your NDE moments, how you're empowering others, and moments that made you feel like you were like fully immersed in your power as a healthcare professional. Welcome back to the WOMED, everyone. I'm so excited today. I have Sochi Rentown joining me on the podcast today. Honestly, I was looking back through episodes and different guests I've had on, and I'm like simultaneously kind of mad at myself, but also really excited to finally have a PA on the WellMed. Like, I don't know why it's taken me this long. <laughs> I'm super happy to be the first one. I know. I'm really happy too. But I'm like, I, I need, we need more PAs represented on here too. So yeah, you are the first and I'm very sorry that it has taken me this long to, to get a PA on. So we've kind of talked a little bit. I am like still almost like a year in the medical aesthetic world. And I'm so excited to talk to you about that later. But I want to know a little bit more just since you, I mean, you are first PA. How did you decide that this is the right path in medicine for you? Yeah, so I, I had a bit of a convoluted journey, but I'm I'm really happy for all of the, all the struggles because, you know, I feel really confident that I chose the right profession and I'm very happy and, and I'm also very passionate about this profession. It's yeah. young, it's it's new. I actually considered doing um the NP route as well. And yeah. I really think at the end of the day, NPs and PAs are pretty much, you know, one and the same. We're we're like the same kind of people. So but I I there are a few reasons why I ended up doing PA versus NP, but my original journey, I was I was always pre-med. I was a bio major. Um, in under my undergrad career at UC Irvine. And so I was on the, that pre-med track, which was super competitive and it wasn't the best environment overall for me. I, you know, I, I struggled a little bit in school, but I knew that I wanted to go into medicine. And so I just kind of kept pushing along, even though I didn't <laughs> feel really great about the whole process. And I just wasn't, I think I kind of had blinders on and I just really wasn't familiar with the other you know, parts of the, of the team. Mm -hmm. I really just kind of had my heart set on being a physician since I was a little kid. And I just kind of just, I'm very goal oriented. So I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm, you know, I'm sticking with. And yeah. I really didn't allow any flexibility to explore um, 
any other kind of similar careers. So I I did the whole, you know, I graduated, I took the MCAT, um, I even applied. And during the process, as I mentioned, I just didn't feel confident. I didn't feel very secure. I, I just didn't really enjoy the process, which was kind of, I thought was normal. <laughs> but during some of my shadowing experiences um, and my volunteer work and just my, you know, all of the things that you have to do to get all of your ex- you know, experience, I actually ended up meeting some NPs and PAs along the way for the first time. I had never had any personal experiences with a PA or NP. And I said, wait a second, what is, th- what is this thing? <laughs> what is this career? Um, you know, you kind of do similar things. You, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you know, diagnosing people, you're treating them, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's very similar, but in some ways I almost think that there's some advantages and some things that I like better about being a PA or NP, which is the shorter schooling that I was more likely to be able to go to school closer to home because home is very important to me and, and my community was very important to me. The fact that I really wasn't sure about what specialty I'd like to do and I really mm-hmm. had interests in different specialties. Uh, for example, now I'm in primary care and aesthetics, which are like two worlds apart, you know? And so I always, yeah. always consider myself a very like multifaceted person. I, I like different types of people, different types of things. So the, the lateral mobility was also something that piqued my interest. And so at the end of the day, I ended up taking, you know, which was hard for me because as I mentioned, I'm very, you know, typing kind of goal oriented and I seemed like I was like, um, in a way giving up on my original dreams and goals. But I really think I just pivoted into something that was better suited for me. And and, and the only reason I kind of chose PA over NP was because as a bio major, I, you know, I had all the prerequisites and I, it would have been a little bit, I think for some people, someone who's more pre-med, it kind of makes a little more sense to go to PA school. It's a little more direct. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was like a BSN, for example, at my, at UC Irvine. And so I had some friends who were that major. And so it made sense for them to go to NP school after. So that's kind of just, you know, the reason why I chose that route. And, and I haven't looked back. Um, I went to USC, um, which is in Los Angeles, which is where I grew up and where I want to want to practice medicine. So it just kind of all ended up falling into place. And, I, and I'm, I'm super happy about it. That's amazing. Yeah. I've been so curious, like, n- not you say, you know, instead of you went since you were a bio major, you went a little bit more like the PA route. Most nurse practitioners will work a couple of years at the bedside and then go for their NP or, you know, there's, there's a handful that just continue go straight through. Go yeah. Straight through. Yeah. Is it, is a PA um, like a master's or? or yeah. Like, so there, there, it's a master's. So it was okay. a, at USC, for example, uh, it's through the Keck School of Medicine and it's a master's in physician assistant practice. So empath. Oh, okay. And and you're right it, that a lot of nurse practitioners obviously work as nurses first, mm-hmm. but for, and, and in PA school, I think it's kind of similar. And I think that's the unique thing about PAs and NPs versus like med school in general, because they tend to have kind of these, a little bit more life, life experience. And because mm-hmm. it's also required, you know, the patient hours are kind of required for PA school more so than in med school. So um, most of my classmates were, um, LVNs, phlebotomists, EMTs, CNAs, like, you know, there was a whole like research assistants, all kinds of uh, scribes. There was all kinds of different experiences. And most people had a few years doing that. 
Mm-hmm. There were definitely people that were, you know, 23 that went straight from undergrad to, to PA school. And then we had someone who was in their 60s in our class, which is also rare, but we had like a whole range of, of ages and life experiences. And I honestly think that makes us better uh, providers at the end of the day and also yeah. just makes for a really beautiful you know, class experience. I mean, school is hard, but mm-hmm. why not enjoy the journey and be able to kind of enjoy these experiences with all types of different people and learn from all types of different people. So. I love that. I guess I always had in my brain that, you know, nurses could only do like the NP route. And no, I they know, can I, do, they can do the PA. I've, 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 I don't think there were any RNs in my class. Mm-hmm. How do I think about it? I know that there were like LVNs and um, CNAs and, you know, but I don't think there were, but I know that, that, that it happens all the time, you know, so I know it exists. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. I didn't realize it. Like, I think everyone, it's just drilled in, in nursing school that like, if you're going to go on and further, like have an advanced degree, it's a nurse practitioner, but, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think that there, I know it's kind of weird. It's, you know, the, the, as I mentioned, like I went through my whole undergrad without even thinking about these careers. Like, I don't think I yeah. really, I think I knew what it was. Maybe I'd seen it written down, but I, did, mm-hmm. I didn't really know. I never saw anyone. I never shadowed anyone until after I graduated. I never considered doing anything else. Um, and now it seems like such a perfect fit for me. Yeah. I'm like, thank goodness I figured it out. You know? <laughs> Did you take any time off in between? Uh, yeah, so I had three gap years, um, okay. technically. Um, so one was kind of that med school process, and then the other was kind of, um, you know, switching my route. And and honestly, it's all a blur. So like when people ask me, I do a lot of mentoring. But when I always caution my mentors that I just like, I feel like I blacked out during this period. I don't have a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the details are super fuzzy about exactly how many hours, you know, they ask, how many hours did you do? And how many, you know, I don't remember any of that. I I, I tried right. to look it up and I couldn't find any, you know, anywhere where I had, you know, saved it. Um, the, the application, unfortunately, is now expired because it's been so long. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I took three gap years and I really think, you know, I, I get a lot of, uh, of students I mentor that are kind of feel like they're in a rush or they feel like they're behind. And mm-hmm. I really don't feel like people should look at it that way because just as nurse practitioner students often, you know, work at the bedside, like that's such valuable experience. You learn oh, yeah. so much about yourself. You, you know, I don't think if I had gone straight into school, I don't think I had quite the study skills, the social skills, you know, the, the resilience, you know, the life experience, I, I was missing so much. And I, I'm mm-hmm. grateful for those years. I also did fun stuff. Like I did, um, I traveled with my family to Europe. And I also, I worked for Lululemon, which was, you know, kind of random, but was like such a good experience for me and kind of where yeah. my like love for workout classes kind of, you know, was born. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I think all of those, there's no rush. Um, and so I, I, I think those gap years were super valuable and I, I, I would do it all over again. If I I think that's that's really great advice because I think about these graduating seniors and like high school seniors and in the in the in America like we we have to go to college right away like that's that's what's expected of us when you look at different countries and they're like no like take some time figure out what you want to do then go to university or well I don't know yeah. it is it university or is it college in like Europe? 
I know. I don't. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. But to like have that time to explore and figure out or just like get a little more idea of who you are and like what you like to do and to figure out how to make a career out of doing that. Yeah. And a lot of it is like when you're in high school, you're kind of everything is kind of organized for you. Like I was really overworked. I was in doing so many extracurricular activities and mm-hmm. stuff, but I never kind of made decisions so much for myself. And that's like a yeah. huge part of growing up, you know? So what was PA school like? Are there different clinical rotations or fellowships, residencies? A little bit of both. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's, I know it's kind of confusing, but basically the first year it's kind of like, I like to say sort of a, initially a review of your undergraduate education but like very very fast okay <laughs> so like yeah. the biochemistry and all of that good stuff um kind of just a review of your bio degree and then after that you go into your didactic year where you learn how you it's just like a, a flurry of like clinical instruction so learning how to do all of your exams and then also topics in medicine so at actual diseases and disorders and how to treat them and then you do your clinical rotation the clinical rotations, at least at USD, were six weeks. And mm. then after that, after you finish all of them, you get to select your specialty that you'd like to do an advanced rotation, meaning you're going to do one of them over, um, not over, but you know, you're going to do it again. Yeah. And then you're done. <laughs> and then you have to pass the boards. Uh, that's yes. called the pants. And I, um, I think a lot of PAs do it pretty immediately after some do take some time to study, but it's kind of like, you know, it's supposed to be that your, your, your PA school education prepares you for the board. So you don't really need to take so much time extra after okay. to study. And yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it goes. I did a little bit of a longer program. USC is one of the longer ones, which I yeah. liked. It was 33 months. It allowed a couple of vacation periods, which was fun. People travel, people work, people got married, people, I don't know, did, did, you know, their things. Um, yeah. But we also, um, you know, it was still definitely a very fast pace. And then the rotations were six weeks, which are a lot of programs have four week rotations, which I think is really nice too, because a lot is a little extra, a little extra time to get, you know, acclimated and, and get as much as we can out of it. So what did you do your advanced rotations in? Um, I did it in primary care. So um, I, PAs can be in any specialty, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I always wanted to go into primary care, which unfortunately I don't think is the most popular, uh, <laughs> you know, specialty. Um, but it's kind of what sparked my, why I want to go into medicine, why I originally I wanted to be a physician. Essentially my parents are both elementary school teachers in mm-hmm. an underserved area of Los Angeles where a lot of people are un- uninsured, underinsured, um, you know, it's low income. And I just remember from a really early age, having this kind of is making this real realization that um, health disparities really affect all parts of people's lives, including mm-hmm. their education. So, you know, my parents would come home from work and, and they'd say, so-and-so's mother is sick. And so he, they've been missing school or someone has a toothache um, and have to have their tooth pulled. So they're missing school. And just like all these things that didn't make sense to me because, you know, I go to the dentist every six months. I'm never having to have my teeth pulled or my parents, you know, they go to the doctor when they're sick. They don't get grave. They're not gravely ill. Like, things that Mm -hmm. I just couldn't relate to. And so I think even really early on, I just was, I just realized that primary care is so important and there's people that are not even getting that. Um, Yeah. And so that was kind of what sparked my interest in addition to obviously my natural love for science and like, you know, the human body and all of that stuff. So I, um, 
I always knew I wanted to do primary care. All of my experiences in undergrad were, um, I worked, I, I did like uh, pediatric clinical research. I did a lot of health fairs, like public uh, health campaigns. I did like grant writing for, for the American Academy of Pediatrics as well. Um, I just did a lot of things for in, in a, like a primary care type way. Um, and so I just knew I wanted to go into that. And also as a PA, you, you know, your schooling is very short. Yeah. I kind of wanted to make sure I got my bread and butter medicine down. We don't have a residency. We don't have a fellowship yeah. like you would in medicine. Mm-hmm. Normally, um, you just kind of get thrown out there as soon as you're done. So I just thought that my original intention was to go into primary care. And I also want to make sure I got that experience because some of my friends going into specialties right away, once you kind of get in that, you get kind of stuck there and it's hard to go back. Mm-hmm. you know, and go, you know, back into primary care. So I, I always knew I wanted to do that. So my first job out of PA school, which I got, I was, you know, signed on for, you know, contingent on passing my boards, even before I graduated, was for a federally qualified health center in Los Angeles, um, FQHC. And so basically underserved, underinsured. And I did that for over four years. And I loved it. My I had primarily um, Spanish speaking patients. I felt like it was super rewarding. Um, it was also definitely was also exhausting. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, there's a lot of non-compliant patients. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like red tape and just things that was, would that would impede me from helping my patients as much as I wanted to. Um, you know, insurance and things like that. Um, difficulty getting specialists. Um, but I, I loved every minute of it, and I'm I'm so glad for that experience that I had that experience. Do you still work in primary care then right now too, or? It's a great question. So it's so funny. So basically my kind of my journey into where I am now from after being a PA from primary care was I really saw myself, I, you know, I loved primary care and I really thought, you know, I could do this for my whole career, like no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just need to find a way to kind of deal with the burnout that I think is happening from being very like eight to five or sometimes six <laughs> or seven, um, you yeah. know, <laughs> Monday through Friday, like having trouble, like taking days off to just get my own appointments in, like just kind of that, that experience. I was like, I need to find a way to deal with that, but I really could do this for a long time. Cause I enjoy it. I really do. But, um, I was kind of talking to my husband and talking to some of my peers and also, you know, Instagram, I think is a great tool. And I saw a lot of my, my, my colleagues and my peers doing aesthetic medicine. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. I, that looks so fun. Like, and it looks like an, another side of me that I would be really interested in, but I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to explore that because I'm in primary care and just like they're two worlds apart essentially. Yeah. And I remember someone spoke on a panel, we had a lot of like alumni panels at the end of our, you know, PA school, um, which I thought were super helpful. And I remember someone talking about their friend saying that their friend is underserved primary care, like three days a week, it does like aesthetic medicine two days a week or something like that. And I remember thinking in my head, like, that's so cool. Like, that sounds like something I'd want to do. Yeah. And I never really thought about it, you know, for four years. So I, you know, I, I realized that I needed to take the chance and I need to explore it because if I didn't, I would just end up in primary care forever. And maybe, and I would probably be very happy, but I, if I don't try it out, well, I'm, I'll never know how much I like it or if I can do it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it's so funny. I really believe you know, and manifestation, not so much in like the hokey stuff that like I say something, I utter these words. Like you're going to speak into the universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to an extent, I really do believe in it because I start talking about it, you know, with my husband, with my friends, as I mentioned, start following mm-hmm. people on Instagram, kind of start like looking into it. And yeah. I decide to tell my workplace that I want to take Fridays off. 
because I said, there's no way I can explore any other specialties if I can't, like, I literally don't have time to do it, <laughs> A. Right. And B, mm-hmm. I need to, if I'm going to do this for longer, I need to fight the burnout. So I remember yeah. I literally had like two Fridays off, like after they agreed and they said, sure, you're, you're doing great. We would love to keep you on. We want to help you out too. So I remember having like two Fridays off. I remember I went to like yoga on one of the Fridays. I got like a massage the other Friday. I hadn't even started looking. And I got essentially a message from someone who I had seen as a, a she was like my dermatologist asking mm-hmm. if she, if, if I was looking for a job and she knows I'm in primary care, but she was looking for a PA to train. And I was like, what? That is so weird. Like, that's amazing. What I, I know it was like the weirdest thing ever. And um, so the next Friday, the third Friday I had off, <laughs> I interviewed, <laughs> she gave me an offer and I was super, you know, excited. And I decided to do a little research. I essentially like asked a bunch of people to coffee or, you know, to phone calls um, that were mm-hmm. in the field to kind of like pick their brains. Cause I kind of had to make this big decision, you know, yeah. should I leave primary care? And in the end, I actually declined the offer. Um, I just didn't think it was the right fit. And um, mm-hmm. they really wanted me to do a quick two week, like give my work a two week notice and just make this transition. And I just didn't feel in my gut that it was right. And I was, yeah. it was like the most emotional experience because I said, did I just miss out on my chance? But I decided to kind of turn my mindset around and say, mm-hmm. you know what, this just shows that someone is willing to invest in me and train me and I'm, mm-hmm. I can find a better fit and something that kind of just makes me feel a little better about the process. So yeah. it gave me that confidence. Um, and, and, and someone that I talked to during this process that I kind of picked her brain was actually going on maternity leave. And she said, you know what? I know that they're going to hire because I'm going on maternity leave. I think you should apply. And I said, well, you know, I don't have any experience, right? And she said, well, I think it'll be fine. I think they're, they, you know, again, as they're, if they're willing to invest in you, they're willing to invest in you, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a PA or as an, as a nurse or an NP, you know, you just have this ability to be flexible and to learn quickly. And so, you know, as you know, they'll be willing to invest in that. So I applied, I was hired and I, I was, you know, over the moon because they let me gradually, um, go from my other job to this job. So like, just like, you know, a few days a week, and then eventually yeah. full time. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I left primary care. And honestly, the first year I was so busy with training and, you know, you know how that goes that yeah. I didn't have time to even think about anything else. Um, but I felt was starting to feel good, but I was starting to miss a little bit of the primary care. And um, I think when everything was full circle was the, the first week of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I, we found out our dermatology clinic was going to close. All of my friends pretty much are in the ER, in the hospital, you know, all my PA colleagues. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling kind of guilty. I was feeling like I was just sitting down, twiddling my thumbs while all of my friends were like on the front lines. And yeah. I just I just had this like strong urge to like kind of throw myself back in there, not maybe in the same way that I was. So I immediately sat down on my computer and just applied to like all of these telemedicine jobs because that was like something that's really like I saw like popping <laughs> essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. and within, and because everything was expedited with like credentialing and stuff because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I was basically like on board, I was hired and onboarded and like started working and helping with like, you know, coronavirus concerns and like getting people testing and, um, dealing with people that were afraid to like that had other concerns, like a UTI mm-hmm. or whatever. And were afraid to go to the doctor because of everything that was going on. Right. Um, so yeah, so I got that job and I did that while our dermatology clinic was closed. And now I do it for DM. 
while still doing aesthetic medicine. So I'm, I'm full circle. I'm doing urgent care telemedicine while I'm also doing aesthetic medicine. So that's, that's my story. That was a really long winded story, but I thought I had to to fully understand. Yeah. No, I love that. But that's also so helpful too, because there's so many people, I mean, I know I get a lot of nurses asking me how they made like that transition into the aesthetic world. And I know that there's so many people that, you know, I miss the Nikki world, but I also can't go back to that as like no one's no one's hiring into NICUs in PRN positions right like like there's a whole I would have to you know uh, work full-time nights and then gradually like get on different lists to you know hopefully get to that PRN spot so I feel like I've kind of sacrificed that and just to have be working in the aesthetic world but I think that's amazing that you've been able to find that balance. And that's going to relate to a lot of people who, you know, also just needing to exercise like your brain in different fields of medicine. So like you said, like you can help combat that burnout. Right. No, totally. And and I I think it's a beautiful thing to work with different kinds of people, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and they're rewarding in different ways. And I think I was a little nervous to jump into aesthetic medicine after doing kind of this, like, you know, primary care, that's very rewarding mm-hmm. um, in like two different, completely different patient populations, yeah. but it's rewarding in different ways. And yeah. um, I don't feel bad about it. And and I think some people are maybe nervous about taking the plunge and, and, and you're right that sometimes it requires a big sacrifice, mm-hmm. but you know, if you don't, if you never try, you're never going to know if it was worth it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So what is your aesthetic office like? Like what types of procedures are you doing? Yeah. So I'm, I found definitely the perfect fit. Um, our, um, I work at Fasil Dermatology and Boutique mm-hmm. and it is just such a dream place. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> a very aesthetic, you know, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. So it's, it's just a, a wonderful work environment to be in mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, which is amazing. But we really focus on conservative and natural um, aesthetic results, which is something mm-hmm. that I am very, you know, much a fan of. Um, right. So, uh, subtle, subtle results. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of patients who aren't even doing injectables um obviously we have like filler and botox and dysport and you know neurotoxins and mm-hmm. we're also do uh treatments like lasers and microneedling but a lot of our patients aren't even doing injectables and they're just there for acne consultations hyperpigmentation like melasma consultations um and okay. treatment obviously and um just kind of want to get their best skin. You know, they want to, they want to like, I get a lot of people that say, I don't want to wear makeup or I want to wear less makeup. Um, you know, I just want to feel confident in my skin. And I think that's like some of the best stuff that we do. Um, and some of the most rewarding. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really nice because it's, you know, we're technically, we try to differentiate ourselves a little bit from like a med spa because we do Mm -hmm. a lot of we do some medical treatment, but we're not medical dermatology. You know, we're not doing like biopsies or things like that. Um, but we're definitely doing, we're definitely treating, you know, diagnosing and treating, but we're also doing these aesthetic treatments. So it's kind of a, a nice combo. Um, and, and our goal is to really 
make people feel comfortable um, mm-hmm. and not feel like they're in a cold medical office, you know, um, right. and really develop great relationships. I have such great relationships with my patients. Like we talk about everything in there, you know, it's kind of like a therapy session for the both of us, you know. Um, it is. It's so, so fun. Yeah. I think people really open up in those environments, like vulnerability, you know, mm-hmm. these vulnerability and creates for these really open like conversations and topics. I, I think people don't really realize how people's skin or whatever, you know, aesthetic, you know, these things people see as like imperfections or things that they're Mm -hmm. worried about, they really can affect someone's confidence, their mental health, their, you know, their physical, and there's, and the physical health is often, you know, other uh, medical problems that people have sometimes affect, you know, their aesthetic outcomes. So I think that's something that it's nice that I have that primary care background because I am very like understanding of other medical problems that patients might have that might affect the things that we're talking about. So yeah, it's just, it's just, it's really great. It's a great place to be. And I, and, and I'm really happy. I'm really happy there. Wow. What an asset you are. That was going to be one of my other questions. I was, I was like, oh, well, do you guys do like cysts removal and like cancer screenings and, you know, stuff like that yeah. too? We do. We don't do that, but we do do some there's always sometimes this like blurred line, for example, like milia or, mm-hmm. um, you know, seborrheic keratosis or these things that kind of like blur the line between like cosmetic, like they'll go to their dermatologist and the dermatologist, it's like, they're not covered by like their insurance, you know? So then they'll come oh, to us to get yeah. it like done or like, you know, or maybe the dermatologist will be able to do a cortisone shot, but someone they can't get in for six months. Well, that's not going to help them very much. You know? Right. <laughs> um, like if their wedding is next week and they like, need a, you know, it's like, it's, you know, so yeah. we kind of fit, we kind of, um, you know, fit that, like we kind of help blur that line a little bit. And I think we've got a good sweet spot there. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like I've gotten, I mean, I just made this switch. Yeah. I want to hear about your journey too. Tell me, tell me. Oh my gosh. In <laughs> like end of January. And oh my gosh. So crazy time to do it. Very crazy time. Um, and I had done, you know, prior to that, when I was trying to see if it was something I was even interested in, you know, palette resources or something would have like workshops and you can go and you can bring a model if you want to, but they just kind of break down a whole, you know, lecture, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I had gone to some of those and had done like a few more, but like our office also had to close halfway through March, end of March. Yeah. And we didn't, mm-hmm. weren't able to reopen until May. So I was like, I had just gone through and like gotten trained, was confident and like in Botox and seeing patients that way. And then we were about to start in on filler and like everything shut down. And even now, like some trainers are just kind of starting at least in Tennessee to come and do in-person yeah. sessions yeah. and stuff Yeah, we again. just had our first one last week and we had stopped. Like we didn't have any where I was doing them all the time before. So that sounds about right. I yeah. think they're starting to start up again. So I feel like my whole kind of journey in this is really very stulted. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it's a I, bit of a bummer, but it is. You know, it will but all it, work out. <laughs> it will, it will. And it's still it's still fun. Like it's such a unique nursing career in that you can bring more, like I feel, I think a lot of nurses and and medical professionals in general have a bit of like a creative side that 
you know, kind of gets pushed to the back burner. Yeah, you know, it gets everything stifled, so like. yes, everything's so scientific, you know, but we have like a different artistic outlet that I feel like especially this field lets us explore more and and I struggle a little and maybe you you do too but with kind of like the the vanity portion of this of this field because you're like yes I'm correcting you know something that makes this person feel super uncomfortable or very self-conscious but like at what line are you like just going along with you know the ideals of beauty you know and and perpetuating you know this idea that no your face actually has to look like this to be attractive or something it's like that's something I've I've struggled with but I think it's kind of like anything like if this is going to be something that makes you personally feel better and more confident and live like your fuller happiest life as long as you're doing this for you and like not for someone else I think that like that feel that feels good for me yeah, I think that's a really great way to look at it. First of all, you should do what's best for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So yes, of course. But I really, I agree with you. There's there's definitely this like really, like there's this fine, fine line. And and I thought I was going to deal with it more than I actually feel like I do, do deal with it, where I was worried about having a lot of patients with like body dysmorphia and like, yeah. you know, unrealistic goals. But it's mm-hmm. actually, at least for me, and, and now that I've been doing it for a little while, that's not just seem to be the case most of the time. Most people want to look like themselves and they actually don't right. want to look unnatural. They mm-hmm. just want to look like the most refreshed version of themselves. Exactly. Or they want to like age, they want to age. They don't want to look, you know, if they're 40, they don't want to look 20, but they want to look, they want to age gracefully. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so, so I feel like that's like the majority of what people say. And of course there's, you know, that's even there, there's, there's a fine line, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I'm pleasantly surprised and that makes me really happy that I don't usually, and I, and I tell people no a lot. A lot of people yeah. say, do you think I need this? Cause they really value your opinion. And I, mm-hmm. I, I say no, I feel like I sometimes say no more than I say yes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I'm like, you're not ready yet. Like, no, in a few years, we'll discuss that again. We'll readdress. We'll, you know, um, I, yeah. you know, uh, and, and if someone wants something that's really unattainable or unrealistic, I, I make sure to tell them. And I think that's important, mm-hmm. but some of these like really like little things is um like for example a gummy smile for example is a really quick fix you can do with botox or dysport um, right where someone who has you know when they smile they show a ton of gum you put you you, you know this um it's one of those things that's just so little and like you know maybe the the what's seen as beautiful like should be like lots of gums like why not like but right but i've had people that literally cry after because they, or they tell me that they're relearning how to smile because they're always covering their mouth with their hand or yeah. like not smiling in photos and like, okay, well maybe it's because the society says that a gummy smile is less attractive. I don't know, but I'm, you know, I, you know, we could get into that. You're right. And like, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, if that's something that such a tiny little thing that doesn't really affect how much how they look, but it's like right. so subtle and it makes them super confident. Um, mm-hmm. like. I had like a patient the other day tell me she was like dating again for the first time in two years. And she didn't say it was because of what I was doing, but I, right. every time I've seen her, she's looks more and more confident. 
She looks, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, we, we're only doing these tiny little subtle things. We're not doing anything crazy. She looks like right. herself, but she just looks like this. I think it's more, sometimes I think it's, a, there's a little bit of a placebo effect even, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's like the self-care and like the, the dressing, you know, things, they just have a little more pep in their step and a little more confidence. So mm-hmm. yeah, I totally get what you're saying though. Um, but I, I will say, you know, I, I don't have much more experience than you, but I think now that I've been doing it for a little bit of time, yeah. I, I really feel like overall uh, it's best for, it's best for me and making me live a happy life. But at the same time, I think most of my patients have a pretty like healthy grasp on what we're working on. And, yeah. um, and they're so much happier. And after that, I think it's a win-win. <laughs> I do too. And I think, I think the aesthetics world can get a bad rap sometimes because there are, there are those like overt adjustments and stuff made mm-hmm. like someone is too filled or um you know just has I mean like unrealistic expectations and you know injectors that decide to do those types of mm-hmm. injections but it's not so much vanity as you know trying to help someone be more self-confident so that they can live their life happily totally yeah so are you are you a trainer then like do you go around and train on different fillers I'm not okay that's definitely like it's so funny because that was never like anything I thought about like you know doing anytime soon I don't think I'm experienced enough but I, I I never even considered as a future goal until recently I've had some experiences with trainers that just yeah. look like they're having the best time. Yeah. And it's so funny. Whenever I go to a training, something that I feel really confident on, I it's like I I'm like, oh well, I feel like I didn't learn no, I don't know anything because they just teach it from such a fresh perspective and they put mm-hmm. their spin on it and they have their little pearls and their little tips and tricks. And you're yeah. like, wow, I can't believe I learned so much about something I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, definitely a long-term goal. I'm not a trainer, um, but definitely a long-term goal. Like I want to get really, really good. <laughs> um, Same. I want to, I want to grow with my <laughs> patients. I have, we have a lot of young patients yeah. um, and I want to grow with them. I want to, you know, have them for life. That would be like the ideal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I'm so glad I found aesthetics medicine. I definitely want to do this for the long term. This isn't something I just like tried and like, you know, this is, this is my long-term thing. I think that the perfect balance for me is to do this like per DM kind of primary care thing, just to kind of soothe that side of me and kind of keep that up. Cause I want to keep up the mat, that medicine, Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen in the world if we have to shut down again for two years, you know? So I want to make sure I have, uh, uh, you know, I want to make sure I have, you know, that too. And also, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I do other things too. Like, as I mentioned, I do a lot of mentoring. Um, mm-hmm. and I, um, I'm actually do some teaching. I did, uh, I taught clinical skills, um, at a PA program for the first time this year, and I'll be do, doing a lecture, um, next in a couple months, um, for, for USC. Cool. Um, yeah. So like, which, which, which again, makes me refresh on all my, you know, <laughs> all my bread and butter medicine. So, um, yeah, I want to keep, I want to stay well-rounded and, you know, stay up mm-hmm. to date, you know, for as long as I can. And, um, I'm, I'm very happy, like with the balance I have right now. That's really, that's amazing. That makes me so happy to hear that. Thanks. And that's, you know, that's something that's unique about, um, you know, I think PAs and NPs, we can kind of, 
do a couple things at once. <laughs> yeah. I would never do that. Yeah. I would I would say that with with nursing and stuff too because I mean, you're you're living proof you can you can work telehealth, you can you can do aesthetic injections, you can you yeah. work and I've seen a lot of these like travel nursing, which I don't think is as popular in the PA um, career, but I like mm-hmm. that sounds, sounds so cool. Like what a, what an incredible opportunity. And like, it seems like they're like, at least the ones that I've engaged with um, seem to love it. So there's just, all, there's all kinds of stuff. I think it's important that people think outside the box. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and PAs aren't, aren't subject to being, you know, s- stuck in a certain field of medicine you know like you didn't have to go and do your fellowship and attending and be an attending just in surgical medicine or you know in the NICU or in a specific age bracket like you can you can pursue different avenues and I that's really I love that there's that flexibility with the the PA route too yeah no totally what would you say is the most annoying thing you get asked about being a PA and what would you like oh, to clear up? Are there like any misconceptions about the, the field? I will say, you know, I was really worried when I first made my, my, my swap to, from, you know, going pre, you know, being, going to med school and being a PA, mm-hmm. um, was I was worried it was going to actually happen a lot more and it really doesn't. Um, I would say there's, there's a few little things. I actually, it was really interesting. I did, I don't know if you saw that thing going on around on Instagram that said like assumption is like you make assumptions and then like you can like debunk them. Um, I thought it was like a really cool thing. So I did it and I was really surprised to see someone uh, in the assumptions box put uh, that I hate NPs. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like what? Yeah. Like what is this? I don't know what this weird thing about PA versus NP, like there's this like, I, it's funny because I haven't personally experienced it. Like Mm -hmm. in both of my, um, in all of my workplaces, they're both. So like, yeah. for example, uh, in my, my, my dermatology practice, there are two NPs and, and I'm the only PA, but there were, was a, another PA before. And then um, before that, there were a few PAs at my primary care, there are a few PAs and like one NP. And then, you know, in my, in my um, telemedicine job, there's like, I think it's probably 50, 50, there's tons of them. Um, so it's just like, I've never, like, I just think that's so strange. Um, I've heard that there's like, in some places there's like weird, um, I don't know. Like an animosity Um, or something. Yeah. Um, but I have never encountered that. And I would have like, I, I, you know, I always tell people that I consider the NP route. It just like made a little more sense for me to do the PA route. But at the end of the day, they, they, in all my workplaces, we're doing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, literally the same thing um and so I thought that was really interesting um I do think that most people do know what an NP is versus a PA so some people are still don't know what we are they'll think I'm like a medical assistant because it's the name is a little bit of a misnomer um yeah yeah, so we're not medical assistants we do you know as NPs do we we you know diagnose um treat you can prescribe yeah prescribe yeah Yeah. and prescribe medication um so that's that's one thing that I think I apparently some people think that there's some animosity I don't I don't think that's the case I mean I think that the, again the medical assistant that they don't realize that we we are like autonomous um I think yeah. uh, the autonomy is actually something that's that's interesting so in all of my jobs of course I have a supervising position I have to but mm-hmm. actually and it's interesting and this is not the case for all of my colleagues 
but all of my jobs, I've actually really not even had a supervising position in the same like building as a most of the time. Um, yeah. so I think maybe that's an interesting thing that maybe someone that's like new that doesn't know about the profession doesn't realize that like, they don't have to be like right next to me. Um, mm-hmm. even I've had, like, I've mentored three PAs and like, they're surprised to hear that. So I, I want people to know that. And I think, yeah. So I, you know, as long as I ha- I'm like a phone call away essentially, um, and, and they do review my charts, but, yeah. um, they don't really like, it's not like we go over them together and like, like correct mm-hmm. me on them, you know? Um, yeah. uh, you know, they're not staring uh, over your shoulder being like, no, mm, no, no, I don't um, think that's the right ha- spot for that. <laughs> I don't have to run by anything. Um, I, you know, the, there's a, there's a complete level of trust once you're trained on something. And, mm-hmm. and then of course there's, there, it's great. Like uh, my supervising position now right now is like incredible. I text her about like, I, I know that no question is, you know, stupid or, you know, um, I, I ask her everything and she'll, she'll text me like five minutes or she'll call me if we need to discuss something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, further. Yeah, super supportive, fully trusts me, but at the same time, she's there for me if I ever need to ask her for something. And part of it is simply just she has like 20 plus years of experience, you know? So, you know, there's that component too. But um, yeah, yeah, I've had really great relationships with my um, supervising physicians, but I think that that's something um, that maybe some people don't understand that we really do have a lot of autonomy. Yeah. I just feel like that it, it needs to be renamed. Oh yeah, that's because a, that's a the good assistant, one. <laughs> the assistant, it is because it, yeah, I like it, to say it's a misnomer. I think that's yeah. like a good way to softly say that it's not mm-hmm. the best name. But <laughs> that's why I like completely. to refer to it as like an initial, as opposed to you know like a PA. Me too. Instead I of actually saying, like hate. I hate writing it out because yeah. of that reason. Because I really just feel like the assistant word doesn't. So the original name and in the name that is used in some other countries, like for example, in England is mm-hmm. physician associate, which I think is a better name. Uh, um, yeah, that's much yeah, better. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a bit better name. Um, they have I think like clinical some... officers too is another, I yeah, think it's pretty. I, I've heard of, and then I think they're trying, they've been, at least since I've been going to school, there have been efforts to change the name. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is they can't find a good name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I heard all kinds of weird things and it's like, for example, so nurse practitioner, like physician practitioner wouldn't work. That doesn't make sense. That sounds like a physician. Right. So that doesn't work. Right. Um, and you're not nurse a pra- nurse. Yeah. The nurse practitioner is such a good word. I feel like we can't beat mm-hmm. that in terms, of, <laughs> in terms yeah. of how much that, that describes what's happening. Yeah. I, there's not a great name. So unfortunately, yeah, it is what it is. So I think PA yeah. is definitely the norm and like what I prefer mm-hmm. to be called. Um, every once in a while, they think I'm like a production assistant. Um, <laughs> yeah or, or a personal assistant but uh no I'm the medical kind so yeah uh, medical PA <laughs> medical <laughs> PA yes I like that. Good that. <laughs> do you think it's a role that they would ever combine with nurse practitioners you know and like make it like one thing for you know what? I don't it's not a bad idea and I and I could see that you know what's interesting is I know I don't know much about it so don't quote me I don't know many details but I know you I think mm-hmm. it's UC Davis UC Davis is very unique okay and I think they have NPs and PAs they have both um okay. and I want to say it's under the nursing school I know that sounds so weird and like okay. now I'm like questioning if I'm like just spewing you know lies but I oh yeah here I'm, I'm googling it now so yeah it's UC Davis School of Nursing it's Betty Irene Moore School of Nursing mm-hmm. and I believe they have both a PA and an NP program or they're combined. I'm not really sure how it works. 
Interesting. But, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So it's very interprofessional. I mean, and here's the thing mm-hmm. is like medicine is going that route, right? We're all about like the team, like that should right. be the, the route. That's really neat. Yeah. Because it seems like something that could be combined, but I didn't know if it was. Yeah. Like they needed to be separate because they like yeah yeah, like because I mean your descriptions Hmm. are are very similar you know I mean if not identical yeah yeah (laughs) yeah I think that mid like I I don't really love the word mid levels but whatever advanced practice um, providers yeah um, I like that (laughs) there yeah that's better a lot of people use it though so it's sometimes I say it on accident by accident but um yeah I mean we're we're huge now we're huge Mm -hmm. we're we're growing and we're also just seen as like a really impactful part of the team and mm-hmm. definitely shown that through the pandemic and yeah. you know just yeah so I think yeah there's going to be definitely more attention in, in those two fields in the future I think so too yeah so I don't know if if you get a lot of questions and stuff in your dms about making that switch but I, I get so many questions about how I sought out training, how I got Mm. hired, you know, into like my clinic and well, med spa, I guess technically, but I feel like I just don't even like to say med spa. I like to say clinic because I feel like it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But, but people are so curious about how to get into this. Oh my gosh. I get this question like every day. It's funny because I have, um, I have a mentoring. I do a complimentary mentoring for pre-PA students. But lately, I feel like a large percentage are PAs that are already PAs um, who are looking to get into aesthetics and they've yeah. DM'd me and I'm like, just book it on my pre-PA like <laughs> system because like I, I, otherwise I don't know when we find the time to talk and, um, yeah. you know, I'll just treat it like that. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. definitely a really great question. And I have a few little piece of, pieces of advice. Mm-hmm. to give to people if that's what you're looking for <laughs> yeah yeah okay. shoot it at me. yeah I mean well, first of all as you know because you've gone through this journey too I think the journey mm-hmm. looks different for everybody there's no like right way or wrong way there's no right. like easy answer to this mm-hmm. and I already you know shared my journey but I think a few important pieces of advice are that obviously when you don't have any training to begin with it's it's more challenging but it's not right. impossible because if not, mm-hmm. then no one we would wouldn't be able to be. get into it. Right. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be. Here. So I think one of my biggest pieces of advice, and this actually applies to anyone doing anything is apply anyway. That's like mm-hmm. one of my biggest pieces of advice. And like, it's incredible how much you'll rule out or how many opportunities you'll miss. If you don't apply to jobs, you don't have the requirements for. I always say, just ignore the requirements. Actually, all of my I jobs I've gotten, I ignored the requirements because my first job in primary care, they hired me even before I graduated, but they. I think they wanted a year of experience and I obviously was a new grad, so I didn't have any experience. And Mm -hmm. then this job wanted a few years of experience, didn't have that. I had zero. And then my, my, um, the irony is that my telemedicine job wanted, since it was urgent care, they wanted either five years of family medicine or three years of urgent care. And I just had short, I had four years of of family medicine and I didn't have any urgent care. So I have never had the requirement. So if I had just ignored all of those, uh, uh, you know, opportunities because of that, I would have you know never been where I am now. So that's my number one piece of advice. Obviously, you may get a lot of rejection because of that, but like you don't know until you try. Exactly. Yeah, definitely training, uh, finding you know self self teaching yourself um, because 
ideally you want to find someone that will train you, but if you show some initiative, I think it helps. Yes, um, and so that's, that's a huge so, point. Yeah. And you mentioned palette. I think that's a great resource. Well, and they make it so easy too, especially right now. They have so many like, online. online, like two mm-hmm. hour lectures and with like a live demo, you know, and yeah, you can ask totally. questions, you can watch, and, you can. Yeah, totally. So definitely the like palette trainings. Um, another big thing is shadowing, which I know is tough to find. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that's wanting to get into sex and that's what she's doing. She found a dermatologist that isn't looking to hire anyone. Um, but likes to teach and is letting her kind of, you know, come in once a week and just kind of be, you know, hide in the corner of the room and just he teaches her things. And that's a great way to learn. Yes. And another uh, thing too is if you can make friends with reps, uh, pharmaceutical reps in the area like Galderma mm-hmm. and Allergan, because they are so well connected, obviously, because they know all of the different right. places. So they'll mm-hmm. know who's hiring. They'll know who maybe has a training that you're available to like participate in. They will, you know, maybe help you um, get online trainings. Like, I, you know, who knows? They want to get people in this field. So they're going to, and they're well-connected and they're friendly. Those are some so of friendly. My, yeah, they're so friendly. Those are some of my big tips, I think. And I think you also have to, especially, um, you know, as a nurse or a nurse practitioner or a PA, remember that just because you don't have aesthetic medicine skills, you may have lots of skills that are like transferable, essentially, you know, like, did you work in yeah. the ER and do procedures? Did you, whatever, um, you know, did you work in plastics? Did you work in burn? Did you work in, you know, think about the ways you can kind of be flexible. It's not quite aesthetics, but if you did procedures mm-hmm. and you, or you had like experience with like skin or anything that could kind of be like, you know, related, um, use that, like talk about that. And yeah, I don't know. I think those are kind of like my big things I tend to tend to share with people. Yes. We're on the same page. Yes. Being that I'm new, I, I like to kind of hear from other more experienced in injectors and people um in this field to it just helps verify or validate yeah. that I'm <laughs> I think also telling um, people the right things too. I think social media is also another one. Um it's a little mm-hmm. taboo in medicine. Um, but it's been like a huge tool for me. Um in 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 I don't think it's like the reason anyone's hiring me, but I really think um, like for example, in aesthetic medicine, it's very common to have an Instagram account or some sort of other way to increase accessibility to your patients and show your before and afters, like your portfolio and just kind of, right. you know, it, it's like an important, it's an important tool. So obviously mm-hmm. if you, I, I, I had a little bit of that. I didn't really have like as big of a following as I do now. Not that I still have a big following, but um, I think that was just like, I'm sure that was like a plus because they're like, oh, she can use this to like, you know, help, you know, t- you know, connect with her patients or future patients. Yeah. So that's yeah. like another one too. And also it's just a great resource in terms of just like networking and like, mm-hmm. it's kind of how I got that job opportunity because I had chatted with this stranger essentially on Instagram who I seemed super approachable and I knew she was a derm PA. So I thought mm-hmm. like, why not pick her brain? And like, so the, there's, you know, you might find shadowing that way, or you might find job opportunities. So yeah. um, maybe you don't want to like be out there and have your own public platform. But I think in general, social media, I think is sometimes an overlooked tool. Um, it's really valuable. So agreed. Yep. Any last bit of advice for people pursuing the PA route, not aesthetics, but just PAs in general? I think a huge thing is to make sure that that's what you want to do. And I think shadowing is probably one of the best ways shadowing and also just networking with people who are PAs. So you might not actually be able to shadow, shadow them, but talking to mm-hmm. them, whatever is the best way to make sure that you want to do that. And then once you've decided, 
just keep going. It's so competitive. Um, unfortunately for PAs, the, just because it's, there's not as many programs and opportunities that even though you're a great applicant and a great candidate, you may not get chosen your first round um, because just because of the sheer numbers, nothing to do really with mm-hmm. you. And at the end of the day, if that's what you want to do, just like stick with it. And I think people get discouraged because I've had really great, what I consider a great candidate and not get in their first round, but just keep plugging away, keep pushing. And in that year that you have that in between, maybe you'll gain like new experience. It's not, it's not wasted time. It's like, you know, it's a valuable um, time to, to gain knowledge about yourself and it's all going to help you in the long run. So um, I guess don't get just make sure it's what you want to do. And if it's what you want to do, like keep going for it. Like don't get discouraged. You don't make it the first time you will make it the second or the third time. So, so gee, I think that's amazing advice. Uh, Where can people find you? My main kind of way to find me is my Instagram account. I'm, I, I don't have a blog yet something that maybe mm-hmm. I'll do one day. Um, but for now I call it like my Insta blog. So that's at yeah. so healthy at X O period H E A L T H Y. It's kind of like a play on my name. because My name's Sochi. And so it's like so healthy, but like also X O healthy. Um, I love it. <laughs> and then, it's, it's thanks, one thanks. of the like best name like IG oh thank you so (laughs) yeah I I figured it was I was trying to look look for a way to not spell out my name because I know that's so tricky for people and I thought so Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something fun and then yeah and I work at the seal dermatology and boutique it's um in there's two clinics one in Pasadena Mm -hmm. California and one in West Hollywood California and I work at both of them mostly the Pasadena one and then Mm -hmm. I also work for Carbon Health which is telemedicine um, and also has some brick and mortar clinics as well all, um, all over California. And now we're expanding into other states. So that's Very where you cool. can find me. Awesome. All right, Sochi. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And hopefully we can meet in person and maybe do trainings together one day soon. That would be incredible. That would definitely be full circle. And it was a pleasure to be speaking with you today. I had so much fun. And I hope I didn't talk your ear off. I felt like I was just going on and on, but <laughs> I guess that's the <laughs> no, point. No, it was great. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely the point of a podcast. <laughs> Thank you again, Sochi, for taking the time to speak with me. I love getting to pick people's brains, and I'm so happy to finally have been able to highlight PAs. Please make sure to follow along with Sochi on IG at xo.healthy. So healthy. I love that. It's the perfect handle. She really couldn't have done better, but sorry. Back on track. Please be good to each other, folks. It's a really interesting time in the world. Let's just continue to make some space and send out some love to to everybody. Don't forget to follow along with me at the WOMED. And please keep sending me your NDE moments and people you'd like to hear from. I love recommendations. Till next week, WOMED out. Oh,